Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. things of dad life is uh, you get tired easier <laughs> physically. I'm still heaving from the push-ups back there. I was like, catch your breath, catch your breath. You got to speak in a second. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how many people got. I thought that was a competition. You know what I'm saying? I got 66. So I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. It's not good. Thanks, Mike Brown, man. You got me four extra. Dude, that was, dude, power. It's power in a team, man. It's power in the unit. He was talking to me. I was like, I probably wouldn't have hit them last four. And so that was real good. A big thought I've been thinking about this week. Well, first up, uh, my name is Jerome. Um, it's great to be here with you guys on Father's Day. Shout out to all the great dads doing great work. Um, give it up for yourselves. And, uh, and today, yeah, yeah. Okay, that tells, says a lot about your dad. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's, two, there's like a tension between two worlds this morning where some have dads that they rejoice about and some have dads they've never known and some know them and wish they didn't. And uh, some have lost their father and no matter where you're at on that spectrum, uh, I really feel the grace of God to be present. I think we sometimes believe this idea that Jesus is far off and I got to get to him. When we're going to see the heart of the Father today and Jesus sees you far off and runs to you. Completely different perspective. In fact, Jesus isn't just chasing you this morning. He's right real close. I mean, he's snuggling in. He knows what you smell like. He knows what deodorant you used. I mean, he's there. Right in your seat. You can't run from him. The king or the castle Someone was going to give you one. Which one? And look at all the castle and the palaces people stay in and the land and the livestock and the riches, the spoil. If you've seen great films, a lot of times there's some type of treasure involved if it's an adventure. And the bad guys always want to get the treasure first. The good guys are there to protect it and kind of hopefully will redistribute it. And, and then the Robin Hoods of the world are, are, have a righteous social justice uh, indignation. And they're angry and say, no, no, we're going to redistribute this treasure. But if you could pick one, the treasure, the riches, the castle, everything, all that comes with it, that could take care of your family for generations to come. Or you could know the king and be with him Always. Which one? Well, the king is obviously greater than the castle. Always. Not less than or equal to, but greater than. King greater than castle. And to be with the king today is the greatest thing that the father offers this morning. There's a clip here. One of the greatest joys ever that God has ever graced me with um, is if I was to write them down, it would sequentially go in order like this. Salvation, to be a new child in Jesus Christ. Pinch yourself if you know Jesus. I mean, come on, pinch yourself. You're brand new. Now, if you don't know Jesus, well, you need to pinch yourself because you need to feel that you can't be brand new today. Don't, don't keep running. You can't hide from God. He's got you. 
Don't try to shadow box God. He wins. And it's good when you surrender. And that's what grace is. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it. But he gives his full worth freely as a gift if I receive it. And so that's the greatest thing that God the Father has ever given me. Second thing would be uh, Crystal. Uh, we've been married 13 years. That's the greatest gift of God's expression for our, uh, my life personally. And so, um, and I realize that's not everyone's walk. Not everyone has that. And, uh, and God's there too. God was on the, he was with me on the single journey and he's with you in your singleness. And, and you're just, you're experiencing God in a different way. It doesn't mean one's better or worse. And then, and then to have children is just, whoo, you're, you, get, you get to know God deeply. And there's nothing like when they, they're excited to see you but there's also nothing like when you disappoint them, right? Well, this clip I'm gonna show you is, is uh, some people have asked, well, you do all your kids' hair, it's just like you, um, you know? But what they don't know is they ask me because they, they love me and I love them. And here's one of the clips. You what, Kingy? My, my hair like you. <laughs> they ask. They ask all the time. I want, I, Daddy. I want to do my hair just like you, just like you. When we were naming our oldest child, um, we, we we were debating: is it Cyrus Jerome or Jerome Cyrus? And I felt like I heard from God. It was Jerome Cyrus. Okay. Well, I'm named Jerome, and so that's fairly arrogant potentially. And Crystal and I went back and forth, but I, I mean, I heard God say, Jerome. And he wasn't talking to me. And we'd been praying, we'd been fasting and waiting. Now she, growing up, uh, being Mexican, they call, people that are named after their dad, they call them all Junior, Junior, Junior. So she's like, man, I'm supposed to call him Junior, 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 which is no bad if you could call it Junior. But she was kind of fed up with the Junior play. I said, well, we gotta do a little bit more research here, Crystal. Let's call some children that are named after their fathers and let's get some insight to make not only a decision, but an educated decision. And so we called some children, and here's what we found. The ones that went by their middle name or went by another name did not have a favorable experience with their dads. But almost everyone that we talked to that was named after their dad, that liked their dads, was radically honored to carry their dad's name. And so in that moment, I kind of counted the cost. Am I going to let my son down where he would... Want to go by Cyrus, or would he be honored to go by Jerome? And still to this day, we ask him every once in a while, say, hey, you, you, would you wish it was Cyrus Jerome or Jerome Cyrus? No, Jerome Cyrus. And it's just a cool little narrative of what God's done because God wants us to think like that, just like you. What's your experience been like with your dad? Is it one that you want to be just like you? Well, where we're going is by the end of this is I hope that every single one of us would say, God, I want to be just like like you. And you can see that in the Lecrae video of how we're starving to, to have role models. We're starving to find people. We're going to pick up a text here in Corinthians in just a moment. Um, and the Apostle Paul, one of the legendary leaders, he's awesome. I mean, a leader of leaders. And the way he's correct in this church in a city called Corinth, He's writing to them intimately, and he has some verbiage that he uses, not by coincidence, but, but on purpose. And when you think about parents this morning, one of the, 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 in fact, the first 
commandment that comes with a promise is to honor your parents. And it says that when you honor your parents, it will go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, how do you reconcile that if you don't want to honor your parents? What if they don't deserve it sometimes? Why would God say that? Because we still have a responsibility. Get this, lean in. We have a responsibility that as we're honoring God, first, now we honor the people that he's put in position over us. And as we're honoring them, we're not just honoring them, we're honoring God first. And as we have that relationship and connection, it allows us to put into proper order how to really love that person, okay? And you think about the effects of a fatherless society. Um, One statistician said that the fatherless issue is the biggest problem facing the country. If you look at the statistics, it's startling for when kids have dads that the graduation rate's higher, and when they don't have dads, depression's higher, suicide's higher, all kinds of things is just higher. There's almost a direct correlation to all, every category you can think of, and it's startling. So you could feel, well, if I don't have a dad, what do I do? Well, Paul, he um, gives us a heavenly perspective this morning, that you could have a father in your life even though you've never had a father. And that's good. So I hope that's wet your appetite. We're going to splash right in. Is that cool? We're jumping in. Just psh, you don't like water? Okay, well, what do you like? Just psh, we're going in. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father. In Christ Jesus, through the gospel, I urge you then, be imitators of me, just like you. That's what Paul's saying there. If you'll go low this morning in the posture of a child, I think you can get something so great, something so rich. And to go low is to really let someone correct you, to repair you and teach you. And we always tell our kids the role of us as parents is this, is to love you, to teach you, correct you and believe in you. And probably the bonus is to celebrate you. Andy Stanley said his parents always said, hey, we, we trust you, we believe in you, and uh, we know you're gonna do great things. And guess what? God trusts you, believes in you, and, we know you're gonna, and he knows you're gonna do great things. And they said when it came time to give him the keys when he would go out at 16 years old to go, and they say, hey, we know you'll make good decisions. They've been telling him his whole life. We trust you, we believe in you, and we know you're gonna do great things. And God trusts you, he believes in you, you're gonna know and God knows you're going to do great things. And he said that he didn't have to worry when he was out if his parents loved him. And when he was tempted to make bad decisions, he would hear that voice. And then one time he said he found himself in a situation that he was stretching the line, the boundaries. He was pushing it. And then he came back and he said, I'm so sorry. I stretched the boundaries. And they said, hey, we trust you. We believe in you. And we know you're going to do great things. It's just a little different parenting tactic, right? I think so quick we get to the justice side. Okay, but when do we lean in with the rules? Well, Paul's fathering them. Well, here's what he says. He gives them actually the business right before these verses. In verse 10, he says, uh, we are fools for Christ's sakes, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and still, like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. 
what Paul's saying is, hey, as a leader, as a, as a father here, um, we got our game face on, and, and, and I'm going to give you the business. You guys are in the weak sauce stage. And in fact, throughout the whole letter of 1 Corinthians, he's leaning in in a way, he's correcting them, he's teaching them. And if you just hear the rules, it'll lead to rebellion. But if you know the heartbeat, it leads to obedience. I wonder if so many of us, we run from God because we just don't know how good his heartbeat is for us today. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. The law doesn't give us freedom. It's grace and truth in the person of Jesus Christ. A good dad always says, love you, teach you, correct you, believe in you. And the best leaders I've ever seen in my life, they get this. Maybe they don't have a biological father over them, but I'm telling you, they have a spiritual dad over them. Maybe this gives new framework for, for to even consider. Well, I would not even think about having this picture on my wall in my house because, I, I, one, I, I, I don't even see the value in it because I've been hurt so much that now, how do I get a spiritual dad? Where do I begin? And uh, maybe we could just kind of give two categories real quick. Is fathers, fathering in light of like a biblical perspective. And when I say biblical perspective is as God views it and intends it, he loves dads. He loves families. He created it. He's in love with it. But what he's also so in love with is, is repairing and reconciling what the enemy has just, just destroyed. So as the enemy has just, just destroyed families and the enemy has separated us from God, what God does is this. He adopts us back in. He's a father to the fatherless. That's so good. There's no place like his house. There's no home like his. So a father is not necessarily biological. It's not meaning that the person will be perfect. And a father is not a friend. And a father, get this, dads, dads, it's not a title. Fathering is pursuing. It is thinking long-term. And it's not always telling um, the kids what they want to hear it's what they need to hear a father's gentle and courageous it has posture and a position the posture of humility and then the position um, to know that you are responsible you're in authority and you carry that certain weight that type of protecting to 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 be there and to to wage war and and but here's one of the coolest things as i was thinking about what a father is a father is humble and a father is a lifelong learner and guess what? They're learning from their children. There's this moment on a zip line, right? Where um, I'm super just freaked out by heights. And our second son, Justice, he gets up there, he goes. And I've told this story once, but it's worth telling again. And, and uh, he goes and he whips down the zip line. And, and Jerome, we're like, Jerome, you can't let your little brother show you up. And, and so he climbs up there and he's going to chicken out for the second time. He'd already climbed down once. And he's up there and he looks down. And he's like, no, dad, no, dad. And everyone looks at me like, you got to go up there and help him. Well, what I didn't tell anybody was I already opted out. <laughs> I already opted out. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even bring up the conversation because strategically and tactfully, I knew that if I could just kind of navigate in different ways with my, um, with, with my conversation topics that no one would even know if I had went ziplining before or if I cared about heights before because we could just shift the topic left and right. It's like, yeah, that's so good. It's like, okay, get it, buddy. Yeah, no, I know. It's going to be fun. And so I'm doing everything. And then finally, here's that moment. I got to go up there, oldest Jerome, just like you. And we got to get up there and climb it and we're going to go. And we're up there and he's freaking out. 
And when you climb, though, you don't climb down. You go, right? So I push him. He goes first. He jumps. Yeah. And then he's like, let's go again. And then I go. And I'm just like, no, let's not go again. But what I learned in that moment from my children, in fact, justice was, man, courage is so important. And then facing your fears is even probably more important. Because in order for him to kind of push through that threshold, I had to learn from him to then go up there for his older brother and then kind of be there for that moment. But if we don't stay teachable, we'll miss that all the time. And that's very difficult. And I know that we've probably gotten calloused um, along this journey where in callous meaning you've built up some resistance to who you let in your life. And rightfully so, okay? Probably been hurt. In fact, some of the heroes that you love might have let you down. Heroes as, as a kid for me, what was on what was on your wall, but what was on my wall was Randall Cunningham, He Man, G.I. Joe, um, Barry Sanders, um, Charles Barkley, and then Jordan was just iconic. I mean, he was it. Anybody remember the just wanna be like Mike? Wanna be a one? Remember that? Come on, this will pull, this will bring back all the feelings. This is all the vibes right here. Sometimes I dream that he is me. You got to see that's how I dream to be. I dream I move. I move. I dream I groove like Mike. If I could be like Mike. Anybody wanted to be like Mike as a kid? Anybody? Come fly with me. I remember those videos. And this is before social media and TMZ. And so you couldn't catch Mike doing anything wrong. I mean, Mike was it. And in fact, just to be honest, and this isn't to put Mike on blast, but as I got older and I started learning more about Mike, I said, whoa, I'm not trying to be like Mike. And in fact, for years, I never owned a pair of Jordans because I was so disappointed because my whole life I wanted to be literally like Mike. And then as I got older, I said, I do not want to be like Mike. Because Mike wasn't pointing me to somewhere higher. In fact, I didn't even know Mike was fragile. In fact, his whole campaign was built on that he was, that he was just perfect. He was the he-man. LeBron James quoted him as being the black god. And he looks up to him. And imagine how when LeBron's now wanting some affirmation from his hero and his leader, and then he can't get one because Mike is so competitive still. I mean, just check an interview. He's, so, he's caught there. And, and, um, and I'm just so grateful for grace. And I remember the moment when Charles Barkley said, I don't want to be a role model. And I could understand that one because it was just like, oh, yeah, well, he, he knows he's not good. So he's, he, I know role model. And it took a lot of heat. What do you mean you're not a role model? You're getting paid millions. He's like, I'm a basketball player. I'm not a role model. People are looking up to you. And then later he kind of conceded and said, well, maybe they are looking up to me. And maybe that is responsibility. And I kind of take it a little serious now. And, and, and here's my point. Who you've looked up to in your life and who I've looked up to in our life, they might have hurt us so bad that we just never even want to wear their shoes anymore. 
Because the hurt is real, the pain is real when the heroes let you down. So we're not trying to minimize hurt this morning. I remember um, I, being hurt in my home, just being hurt. And it, it was not intentional, great parents, but when they divorced, my dad was a stay-at-home dad up to the point, the time I was nine. And then my mom and my brother and I, we moved to another town 30 minutes away. My dad, uh, you know, and God used all of it for good, but we just saw each other every other weekend. Stay-at-home dad to every other weekend. And then finally, as I get older, what do teenagers want to do? They want to do the every other weekend thing? They're like, no, I'm not good, right? I'm going to go to my friend's house. And so then the relationship got it even more distant. And as Lecrae said, you know, I was looking for someone to lead me, teach me, correct me. And once those heroes let me down, where did I turn to? New heroes. I wanted to turn to drug dealers, rappers, whatever could give attention. Um, and then you feel good. You feel um, validated and you have... You, you just have this aura about you. And, and then we all probably had those stories where we hurt. And, 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 and we could go back to those moments. But there's always probably um, another side of the story where times you have hurt and I have hurt people. My kids, they want to do their hair like me, but I've also looked in their eyes when I've caused them fear because I've yelled a little bit too aggressive and not gentle. And it's not cool seeing fear in your children's eyes. We're never supposed to be the dad um, that, that causes them to be afraid. We're always supposed to be the dad that causes faith to arise. That they would, they would just look at us from the stands and say, oh my God, I'm just gonna shoot. I'm gonna do the zip line, right? Good news is there's um, freedom from our past today. And in fact, our past is an ingredient for a great, 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 great cooking dish that you can eat and serve for the present and the future. If you let it, if you let it, if you let it, let it marinate, let it bake, let it cook. Um, in the uh, heaven's agenda this morning, as we just got a few more moments, and I'm going to just paraphrase to, for the sake of all of your curl outs and whatever you're doing. And if you're coming to the party later, that's cool. It's going to be a lot of fun um, after the 1130 service. And if you're not, I hope you will go party. But Paul gives language of why he was, uh, he was, Leaning in there as a father because he wasn't confident in himself. In fact, when he said, imitate me, we see what he meant in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And what he's saying is, I can father you because the father's fathering me. And as you let me father you, you're really letting the father father you and you're submitting to God. God's that good. As we're imitators of Christ, we can look into examples throughout probably this whole place. City life is filled with them. I think of Crystal. She's patient. She's steadfast. She calls out the greatness out of me. She's an imitator of Christ in that way by all regards. I think of Jorge. He prays like the father. The dude lives in the secret place. It, you know, he tells me about all the stuff he's got on his walls of his prayer requests and scriptures. And um, I just envision this, this great, like, almost like, the cathedral in his bedroom, you know? And uh, you got Rob and Tina, they're worshipers who bring heaven to earth. That was obvious during the worship set. Um, they're faithful. You think of Marissa, who's consistent and helps in a way that Jesus anchors. You think of Willie and Shekinah, who honor like Jesus honors the Father. I think of Edward and Ashley around here who have compassion for the orphans, who've adopted multiple children in one year. I mean, we were crying about twins. They took on several in a year. Wow. 
And these are our role models. They're not Jesus, but that's what Paul meant. Imitate. Keep people in your life that you want to be like. I want what they got. That's what a father can do. We have to step past that brother stage and into the father moment and just really simply love God and love people. And what about when they let you down? Brad Leach said something so good to me, a pastor from City Life Philly. Uh, a few weeks ago when he was here, he said, look higher, look higher. When even your leaders let you down, look higher. Because what you'll find is you'll find Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, perfect. <laughs> so as you look higher, you're, oh, yeah, they're not perfect, duh, whoa. You know, and you start to get it. But where it's get difficult is you look to them as the source, but there's only one source. And there's no better story than the prodigal to check the heart of the father. Let me read just a few portions of it. Now, the story is this father has two sons. Jesus um, is uh, speaking through the text with the Holy Spirit through the author Luke. And Luke's writing this about the heartbeat of heaven of how much God loves his kids and wants to get them back home. There's a lost coin, there's a lost sheep. And then the longest of this chapter is the lost son. Now the lost son um, is a son who, who asked for his inheritance early, meaning he said, hey, king, I want all my castle now. And then he goes out and he's spending it on all kinds of stuff. And the father, he's so good, he's got two sons. He takes the inheritance, he says, fine. He gives it to the one who's going to go out and spend everything. And then he gives it to his son who's back home who's been doing everything. And we pick up the story, verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, took a journey into a far country. And then he squandered his property in reckless living. It means he was out there. He was in 50 cent videos. He was at the VU. I mean, he was in the game. All right, reckless living meant it all. I mean, you can just take that analogy as far as you want to go. And then he's now lost it all. He's eating really in, this, uh, with the, in the pig's pen uh, with the livestock animals in a foreign place, in a foreign land. He's a peasant now. Remember, he came from a kingdom. In verse 20, and he arose and he came to his father. He comes to his senses, he wakes up. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That language, I think, is so important. We want God today. Come on, we do. We want God. We do. You're here. You're at City Life on a Sunday for Father's Day. You want God. Props to you. If you want God this morning, no, it always comes like this. I'm not even worthy. I'm just broken. I shouldn't even be your son. Let me just have anything. And he goes on to say, I could just be one of your hired hands. So if there's a magnifying lens, we talk way too much about the sons. If we're going to magnify something, envision the sons are like little tiny ants. And then the father's like a skyscraper in this story, okay? You got an ant and then you got a skyscraper. And so we got to make much of how the father responds. Check out the father response. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put on a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this was, is my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. What? 
In fact, there's a picture here that I love. Uh, We just got, when I was in Colorado, I got to go on this cool retreat with the Revel crew. And they gave us this picture. And it shows the prodigal kind of coming home, this life of death and and just, uh, just gross, done. Skulls. And you see the father just dip setting. I mean, just, yeah, my boy's home. And he's so geeked that he's meeting him and he's coming out there and he's greeting him and he's going to give him the best that he has. The best that he has. The best that he has. Just like you. When you see um, the father's heart, the father goes out, he uh, just throws a huge party. The older brother hears it from a distance, hears the music and the celebrating. He gets angry too because he'd, he, he uh, had always been working with the father and the father had never thrown him a party, but he says very unique language to him. He says, son, in verse 31, you are always with me. Which one do we choose, the king or the castle? Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. If you've known Jesus for a really long time, that's the greatest promise you got. How do a lot of our Father's Day prayers look? God, do this for me. Get this job. And I'm not meaning today. I'm talking about our life. God, if you'd lead me here and help me with this, that'd be sweet. Nah. The wounds of a father goes deep. And so we're not trying to minimize the hurt that you feel today. But know this, the healing of God the Father goes deeper. That's it. That's it. Close with this video. This is Greg Boyle. Um, He runs an inner city uh, gang rehabilitation in Los Angeles, and he's father, Greg Boyle. I want you to check, um, check this out. And they were terrified, but they did a good job. Stories of terror and torture and violence and abuse of every imaginable kind that led the audience to stand in awe at what these two had carried in their lives rather than in judgment at how they carried it. And honest to God, if their stories had been flames, you'd have to keep your distance, otherwise you'd get scorched. So the nighttime talk comes and it's a thousand people and I invite them up to share their stories in front of all these people for five minutes each and I do my thing and then I invite them up for Q&A and and I said, yes, ma'am. And a woman stands and she says, yeah, I got a question. It's for Mario. First question out the gate. And Mario steps up to the microphone. He's a tall drink of water, skinny and clutching the microphone and he's terrified. Yes. And she says, well, you say you're a father and you have a son and a daughter who are about to enter their teenage years. What advice do you give them? What wisdom do you impart to them? And Mario clutches his microphone and he's just terrified and he's trembling and he's getting a hernia trying to come up with whatever the hell he's going to say when when finally he blurts out, I just. And he stops. And he retreats back to his microphone clutching, terrified retreat. But he wants to get this whole sentence out. I just don't want my kids to turn out to be like me. And there's silence until the woman who asked the question stands and now it's her turn to cry and she says, why wouldn't you want your kids to turn out to be like you. You are loving, 
You are kind. You are gentle. You are wise. I hope your kids turn out to be like you. And a thousand total perfect strangers stand and they will not stop clapping. And all Mario can do is hold his face in his hand so overwhelmed with emotion that this room full of people, strangers, had returned him to himself and they were returned to themselves. And I think that's the only praise God has any interest in. It, the, 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 the commencement speech he gives there at Pepperdine, it's kind of weighty and heavy um, because he just kind of tells it how it is. I think he's telling it how it is. There's a lot of bunch of people that are eating out of the pig pen, and they've made a lot of bunch of mistakes. And I thought that, that, that really showed just a further illustrate of how the Father would respond to, to, to our mistakes. Our tendency is to say, well, God, I can't, um, I know I've made a lot of uh, inaccurate just displays of who you are to people. In fact, Mario being a gang member, he definitely didn't want his son to be like him, his children to be like him. And I think that's a pretty sound answer. You know, if you think about it logically, I just don't want them to be like me. And then the crowd responds after hearing his story and seeing that he could be changed and knowing that there's good inside of him, which was God inside of him. And, and then you're loving, you're kind. The lady responds and then the crowd just is, you know, just applauding over him and the person's just bawling, Mario is. And, and I, I was so wrecked by that because it further kind of elaborates the heart of God for us in our pain. The, the wounds of of fathering the wounds of the mistake, us not hope, hoping that the generational issues don't be passed on. And we hope the generational blessings do, but the greatest thing we could ever do today is zoom out and just see how good God is. He's so good that he takes his best robe, he takes all of his riches, he restores him back to a position of sonship when he did not deserve it. Where are you at in this today? Are you hurt from your dad? You're not alone. Are you a dad who's just missed the mark? You're not alone. Are you um, wanting to be more like God, just like you? You're not alone. So the application of that would be, man, give it to Jesus. Really, just give it to him. Maybe as simple as just subtly, would you take a moment and close your eyes and just envision giving your life to Jesus, giving your weight to Jesus, and then hearing the music and the party for you. You're, and that's why you're saying Happy Father's Day, because you're like, oh, okay, now I can go honor my parents because God has brought me in. He's that good because of Jesus' sacrifice. And how fitting that after the second service today, we'll be partying. We didn't plan it that way. It just happened that way. And I thought that was so neat because the wounds of the Father on earth go deep, but the healing of God the Father goes deeper. Can I pray for us as we close? Jesus, I thank you for every person here. God, I thank you for the families that are represented, the pain. I thank you for the moments of triumph too. There's people in this place that they think of their dad and they're like, yeah, my dad rocks. That's awesome. I pray that that pattern would continue exponentially, that heaven's 
soundtrack would be on repeat through that family. And God, I pray that that family would use their lives to bring more kids home. And God, for people that need serious, not just repair, but they need a brand new way. I pray that they would hear you running to them to pick them up and say, oh, I have a new kingdom for you. Come on, let's go. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Help us walk in your freedom today. Let this be a city that's not known to be a fatherless city, but it's a city and a region that's known to have dads everywhere. And maybe we um, don't have children, but we can go be a role model to somebody else to be a hero they can look to. In Jesus, we pray and we thank you for who you are and what you've done. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, thanks for letting us go a couple minutes over. And uh, that's it. No fireworks at the end here. Uh, hope you have a great day. Connect with somebody. Thanks for being here. See you next week. 10 a.m. and 1130. You belong here. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.